Welcome to Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast with Elizabeth Crawford, where I dish with trendsetters, tastemakers, and industry experts about everything from emerging trends to marketing strategies to regulatory pressures. Taste and smell are obviously fundamental to how consumers experience food and beverages, but most tools for understanding and measuring these senses, including a highly trained human nose, are subjective, imprecise, and expensive, making it difficult to cost-effectively create products that deliver an appealing experience consistently to a broad consumer base. The result is a staggering 80% failure rate among new CPG launches, costing the industry billions of dollars in new product development, and often completely wiping out startups or entrepreneurs who bet big on what turned out to be a bad or poorly executed idea. But the California-based biotechnology and data science company, Aeromix, could help reverse these odds in innovators' favor by using DNA and advanced robotics to digitize and quantify scent and taste so that companies can innovate faster and more reliably. In this episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast, Aeromax Director of Product and Operations, Morgan Mankata, explains how the company's Essence chip technology scientifically records flavors and fragrances and uses a proprietary AI-powered algorithm database to analyze this data in ways that were not possible before. He shares how this combined technology is helping food and beverage companies develop better tasting products that consumers want more quickly for less, improve their marketing to drive higher sales, and even advance their sustainability missions. According to Aramex, the human nose can distinguish between a trillion different flavors, but most people can't accurately or precisely describe the difference between smells and flavors. Aramex can. The company uses synthetic biology to replace the human nose on an SPS format multi-well plate, or essence chip, that can be read to gauge odorant ligands bound to receptors. In this way, the sensor products capture qualitative data, such as whether something smells savory or sweet or rancid, which is then measured with algorithms to form digital signatures that can be visualized and translated into actionable insights for companies. It's really just an example of this emerging industry that I find super fascinating called synthetic biology, where we are engineering organisms in the same way that one would program a computer, except your operating system isn't Mac, you know, Catalina, I mean, Mac OS Catalina, or Windows 10, but it is a certain cell type. It could be a yeast cell, it could be a bacterial cell, it could be a human cell type. And there are so many myriad applications in this field uh, where you can use engineering biology to produce to do different things with these different organisms. So you can engineer them to produce specific types of protein products like collagen. Um, There are certain companies that are engineering organisms to produce clothing. 
Um, and our company, what we do is we engineer organisms to make them into biosensors. So we are engineering essentially a, a living but artificial nose. And the way that we do that is we engineer human and sorry, we engineer human taste and olfactory receptors into biosensor cells. And that allows us to essentially digitize taste and smell. And the way that we do that is we, we're essentially um, engineering the DNA, the same DNA that codes for the receptors in your nose. We are engineering that into these biosensor cells, and then we're tethering that to um, essentially a biochemical circuit. And when the cells are stimulated by any flavor or odor, they produce a measurable signal. And this allows us to, in a very high-throughput way, test many, many different olfactory receptors against any odor or flavor substance. We've been applying that to a wide variety of different industries, ranging from pharma to CPG, food and beverage companies, um, really, you know, wine industries, um, fragrance companies, cosmetic companies, really trying to help accelerate new product development, improve quality control, and even detect diseases. Kind of the beauty of the system is we're not training the system. Um, we are letting the system inform us. So essentially, you can kind of think of it as on the sensor plates that we're plating, many different olfactory receptors we may not know whether or not they're going to bind to a particular odorant. It could be a specific type of cancer urine. We may not know if it's going to signal. It could be uh, a wine sample, for example. And then we let the different receptors activate um, based on whether or not they're binding to molecules of a particular flavor or odorant. And then we capture that data uh, we use different terms for it. I mean, sometimes we use activation patterns or signatures, but you could almost think of it like a, a heat map is the first kind of visualization that, that we get from this, but then we transform that into more interesting and useful visualizations for customers, including um, multidimensional maps of perception. Uh, where we're basically collapsing these activation patterns of maybe you know, four or seven olfactory receptors or taste receptors all firing in different patterns. We collapse those into vectors, and then we can represent them on a map and then add human-relevant word descriptors to them. So we can say, okay, these, this is the region of rows, um, and it is within the larger region of laurel. So that's an example of how we're we're taking this biological data, which is really just telling us what is the you know, signature of the smell or activation pattern of the smell, and then translating it into actionable insights for our customers. One way this data and technology is used in the food and beverage industry is to recreate or reverse engineer existing products, which can then be replicated to create Me Too versions 
or used as a starting point for iterating and creating new improved versions. You can compare two different um, samples together. So for example, if a customer sends us, say they're trying to replicate a, a competitor product, what they can do is they can send us the competitor product. We, we essentially map the competitor product and profile it with our receptor arrays. We get a certain pattern from that. And then they have three prototypes that they're also developing. And they want to know which of our three prototypes is most similar to this competitor product. And then what we do is we profile all of them, and then we map them in space using the underlying receptor data so that we can understand which of their prototype is closest to that competitor prototype. Aramex's technology can also help accelerate new product development and improve quality control by rapidly testing prototypes and providing quantitative sensory feedback to guide reformulation, if necessary. What we're trying to do is essentially function as an extension of their R&D department, where they can send us samples on a continuous basis, and we're providing them um, design test feedback uh, to guide and accelerate their product development efforts. So hopefully in the, in the future, we can go from these two-year timelines to six-month timelines to maybe two to three-month timelines for developing products. And what we're doing increasingly is customers sending us samples on a pretty frequent basis where they are you know, creating different formulations, they're sending it to us, we're providing them data that helps guide the future formulations, and then they send us formulations again until they get close and closer and closer to the target that they're hoping to achieve. The ultimate goal is to reduce product development costs and the failure rate of new products so that companies can more easily meet evolving consumer demands, for example, for healthier products that don't compromise on smell, taste, or experience. So right now we are targeting this $36 billion CPG uh, industry cost for new product development and 80% failure rate. So with the, all these companies are trying to create new products, and there's a huge, huge push to create natural, healthier alternatives that also taste better. But the problem is when they try and replace the current ingredients with, say, alternative plant-based proteins, there are oftentimes malodors introduced, sometimes because these uh, plant-based molecules are binding to other flavor molecules, um, thereby mitigating some of the good flavor, or for whatever other reason where the plant-based molecules themselves are potentially contributing to a bitter taste or a bitter odor, some sort of feature like that. And so what we do in that case is we help our customers um, use the receptor data to solve whatever problem they're interested in based on their particular product. And the way that we think about the receptors is that the receptors are a Rosetta Stone that for the first time allow us to relate very different data sets together using the receptor as kind of the cornerstone uh, or Rosetta Stone. Um, and essentially, this allows us to relate 
you know, the genetic sequence of the receptors, uh, which vary based on what population you're looking at, um, to what is known to bind those receptors based on their different physiological um, or their different structures. Aramex's ability to account for how human genetics influence people's experience of taste and smell can also help companies create product variations for different regions where preferences may vary in previously difficult to predict ways. Um, a new area that we have been recently exploring that is very exciting uh, is this idea of receptor genetics. Or between any two individuals, only on average, 70% of the receptors are identical genetically. So there's a large variation in these different types of uh, receptors, both uh, olfactory and taste receptors. There are 402 olfactory receptors, so there's a wide variety of them. Um, and there's, you know, many fewer uh, taste receptors. But these variations uh, at the genetic level can cause completely different perceptions for different population groups. So in several customer projects that we've, um, we've done, essentially what we've, what we've observed is that certain population groups may respond differently based on the receptor data that we're getting. And the way that we see that is we have two different receptors that are the same type, but they're maybe different by one or two nucleotides. And one uh, receptor variant might be more uh, prevalent in East Asian populations, and the other one might be more prevalent in um, Euro Europe European populations. And so what we're able to see is actually quantitative differences in that receptor firing to a different substance. And an example of that is a project where we were working with um, beverage reformulation, and we were trying to help them essentially introduce a new alternative sweetener into their product. And what we were able to discover was a chemical malodor that was then correlated to um, differences in these uh, receptors, in these variants between the receptors. And there was a specific variant that targeted um, a certain Asian group more predominantly where they had a much higher signal or response to this potential malodor. So that's one example. So essentially using our receptor data to help guide either the marketing or product development efforts of uh, new CPG products so that they hit specific um, populations based on the genetics. Aramex can also help companies improve marketing by selecting words that are more accurate in describing a product's taste or aroma an increasingly important factor now that in-source sampling is off the table due to the ongoing pandemic, and companies must find new ways to drive trial of new products. There's a huge disconnect between how companies might describe their products and how consumers actually perceive their products. We are trying to bridge that gap. And so we're basically creating a database of not just these receptor activation patterns, 
but all the different semantic word descriptors that can be applied to them in different languages for different types of products. So one vineyard might use these 10 word descriptors. Another large wine company might use these 150 word descriptors. We want to be able to create kind of this living dictionary swirling around the network of different receptor data sets that we are generating. And so that will hopefully enable companies to target their products to specific geographies based on maybe what they know about the receptor genetics and the predilections of different populations based on their biology, but also use words and visuals and maybe even colors in the future to market their products more effectively to drive sales. Somewhere upwards of 65% of consumer purchasing decisions of cosmetics and uh, CPG food and beverage products are motivated by taste and odor attributes. I think we take that for granted a lot as humans, how much taste and smell actually motivate our decisions. I mean, the reason you want to get in and out at 10 p.m. Uh, on, the, on the West Coast, at least, is because of your memory of that experience, of the taste and smell of the product. The same reason why you buy the same shampoo, why you buy the same fragrances, why you hate cat food every time you open it. Um, it's, it's all based on this sensory relationship we have to our product. So what we're really enabling for the first time ever is accurate accelerated design of those uh, purchasing factors. In addition to helping drive sales and speed innovation, Aramex can help companies reduce costs through ingredient optimization. This is a huge um, area of opportunity because what's interesting about the receptors is that the receptors are what we call promiscuous. So they bind sometimes many, many, many different molecules. And so that's why it's really important to use our platform and look at multiple receptors together um, in order to understand kind of the full picture of how the nose is interpreting this flavor or odor. But it also allows our customers a lot of flexibility in how they are essentially fitting in these Lego blocks that might be different ingredients. So you could have one ingredient set that is maybe all natural, that produces a specific uh, perception. And then you could have another ingredient set that is all synthetic, made in a lab, and it produces exactly the same perception or maybe even exactly the same perception but plus 10%. So that's what we're trying to enable is, you know, probably a little bit longer term, but can you reformulate Coke, for example, with like aspects of like nutmeg, maybe some plant-based molecules, maybe an enhanced stevia, um, and produce a better tasting Coke, but with much cheaper ingredients and healthier ingredients. So it's really, there are two aspects of optimization that I think these companies are angling for. Health, because consumers are more health conscious these days, especially millennials and Gen Zers, um, and then also um, 
uh, cost, of course, because you want to lower your cost so that you increase your margin. The broad application of Aramex's technology across industries can also help food and beverage manufacturers reduce their environmental footprint by helping packaging companies develop more sustainable options. We are actually using our technology to uh, detect malodor in recycled plastic. So many chemical companies that produce plastics are transitioning over to recycled plastic in the effort to create a new circular economy of plastic, where consumers can use plastics, then they become recycled, um, and then they get reintroduced into the consumer supply chain. A bottleneck um, or an, uh, an impasse in this new circular economy is the fact uh, that these recycled products tend to um, absorb the molecules of the food or the detergents or whatever other debris were in the containers when they were recycled. So this makes it very difficult to reintroduce those new types of plastic polymers into uh, or, or plastic recycled, uh, they call them post-consumer um, post recycled resins, to reintroduce those types of products back into uh, consumers' hands because of this malodor attribute. So what we're doing is we are helping a large chemical company to improve their processing of uh, to, we're helping them, one, to identify the best supplier of um, these particular types of uh, products, um, and then also improve their processing for remediation of that malodor. So hopefully, once this is resolved, then you're going to see uh, a lot of growth in an expansion of these um, uh, recycled plastic products. The company also is piloting projects to reduce food waste by testing for how to slow or prevent spoilage. And while this area still may be in its infancy, it speaks to the technology's diverse applications and potential to help the food and beverage industry tackle many of the most significant challenges of the day. With that, we've come to the end of another episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast. I hope you'll join me again next week for another installment. And to ensure that you remember, I encourage you to subscribe to us. Until next time, this is Elizabeth Crawford wishing you a productive, profitable, and safe week.